Well, thank you so much. Come on, let's give Jesus a great shout this morning. Come on. Can we thank the, uh, the musicians and the singers? Wasn't that just an unbelievable, absolutely incredible? Uh, what an honor to be with uh, Pastors Phil and Tammy and just uh, Influence Church and who you guys are, what you do. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to just echo an amen that in a time of crises, uh, we need to sing and we need to sing prophetically more than ever. So thank you for being bold, being open May 31st. You were one of the first ones to, to open and stay open. And uh, people really needed it. Uh, you know, 2020, I mean, looking back now, Nate, 2020, we should have realized that it was going to make sense when we, when we got through it. Because hindsight's 2020. So we should have realized God was giving us a clue. You're not going to understand this year till you get through it. Once you get to 2021 and you look back at 20, then it's going to make sense. But uh, man, when we were going, going through all of that, it was just a, a crazy season. And uh, we very much took a, a page out of your pastor's book and we just determined we, we just can't stay shut. So, so we opened and we're on the news every night and in the the papers and uh, the city health was fining us on a daily basis. And just recently we had a, had a pastor decide he wanted to open. And so he came and met with my business manager and he's like, Hey, you know, just got this $10,000 fine. Like what, what, what do you guys do? And Jesse brings him into his office and said, Oh yeah, just and opens up his drawers. Just, just collect them. So we got a, a whole drawer. Of We're not paying them, but we'll just collect them <laughs> as mementos. But uh, people needed it. You know, if they say that uh, Disneyland and, you know, I'm not brilliant with my geography, but I'm, I know Anaheim, Anaheim Hills that we're not far from Disneyland. If they say Disneyland is the happiest place on earth, church is the most essential place on earth. Church is the most essential place on earth. And we had, uh, you know, we had an edict come down through, through governors, from the devil, but through governors, <laughs> saying that liquor stores, they're good. Casinos, they're good. Strip joints, they're good. Marijuana dispensaries, they're good. But the church, you're not essential. The church is not essential. Nobody else deals with the emotional, the mental, the spiritual, the physiological impacts of crises like the church, like the church. So I just want to give honor where honors due and just, you know, honor your pastors for being so courageous, so bold, opening, and not just opening, but writing this incredible album. So come with me just in the few minutes we have together. Uh, you probably notice I have a Australian accent. Uh, but I was born in Germany, uh, but I grew up in Australia. I spent seven years in New Zealand, and uh, I believe we've got a Kiwi here. And uh, I asked your wife, does, does she know who the Waikato Chiefs are? And, uh, but she didn't. So you've you got to do a little more. That's my team. I lived in South Auckland, bro. And uh, so I love the Waikato Chiefs, but that's just a... Anyway, what, a, what an honor. Come with me. Isaiah 54, you know, if you can't understand, I'm sure there are translators. <laughs> Isaiah 54 verse 1 says this. It says, sing, O barren. 
Sing, O barren, and you who have not bore, for more are the children of the desolate than her who was with child. Sing, O barren. Let me give you three quick thoughts. The first thought that I want you to understand is that what you sing about, you bring about. What you sing about, you bring about. Now, I, I, I totally believe that God is sovereign. Totally believe God is sovereign. Have no problem with the sovereignty of God. Believe God is sovereign. But having not grown up in church, my dad was an East German atheist. Uh, he was a soldier on the wall between the East and the West, and he got into the West by running across a minefield. Uh, uh, after being arrested for plotting to escape from the east to the west and being in a gulag for 22 months, he knew that that was the only way that he could get out was to run across the minefield. It was the least, least guarded. So I didn't grow up with any Christianity, didn't grow up with a Bible, didn't grow up with church. In fact, my dad told me from a young age there was no God. So I have an encounter with God when I'm 18. You know, I thought at 18 you don't really know what you're doing. So at that point I thought, ah, oh, it'd be cool to be a pro surfer. And so I went in this program called the Jesus Program. I thought it was just going to be like taking candy from a baby. And because uh, I thought Christians are too nice to really compete. And uh, I ended up coming fourth in the competition. And uh, the guy that won short shared his testimony, and I got kind of radically saved. And, uh, and so, yeah, thank you. So. <laughs> 35 years later, uh, I'm walking with Jesus. But if, there was honest, if I was honest with you, there's something that I've discovered that, yes, God is sovereign, but he also gave man a free will. He also gave man a free will. Now, let me just kind of mess, mess you up, and I'm sure Pastor Phil can get up after and straighten out all this terrible theology. But uh, uh, the most powerful force in the universe is the human will. Because the human will can shut down the will of God in your life. When, when, when God gave man free will, it was free will. There were no conditions. When God said, of all the trees of the garden, you may freely accept that one, that one belongs to me. He didn't, he didn't put an electric fence around it. He didn't put a firewall around it. That they, they could choose against God to our own demise, which is what we did. But that's how much God values free will. I say all of that to set this up, that you need to understand that while God is sovereign, God is a response God. God, God, God is a God who responds. The Bible says, and, and Jesus would have gone further, but they beckoned him to stay. Uh, the Bible says that Jesus was leaving Jericho and there was a blind man at the city gates of Jericho who cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd tried to silence him, but he cried out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to call. Had he not cried out, Jesus would have kept walking. But we have the story of blind Bartimaeus being healed because God is a responsive God. And I need you to understand that God responds to worship. Worship is not what we do to get to the preach. In fact, worship is the main deal. The earth is never more like heaven than when she's in worship. 
The reason the devil came in like a flood and shut down the churches in 2020 is because chaos, hate, division, disorder flows where there's no worship. Wherever there is worship, God turns up. When David decides he wants to bring the ark, he wants to bring the presence into Israel back to Jerusalem, he realizes he can't just set it on a, on a cart the way the Philistines did. He's got to bring it in with worship. He's got to bring it in with worship. And so in Isaiah 54 here, God speaks to a barren woman, a woman unable to conceive. And he says to her, darling, begin to sing. Sing, O barren. You may say, well, hang on, I don't have a song. Or maybe if you allow the world, the world will give you a song. But if you understand that what you sing about, you bring about, you, you don't want to be singing, you picked a fine time to leave me loose. You don't want to be singing that. <laughs> they say if you play country music backwards, you get your truck, you get your girl, you get your... You, get... <clears throat> you want to be singing songs like... The God that we serve is greater than 10,000 armies, greater than 10,000. You, you want to be making prophetic declarations. Prophecy, prophetic songs is every time you sing a prophetic song, it's like you take an arrow and shoot it into a day that is not yet. That's what the prophetic does. It, it shoots into a day that is not yet and draws that in, into, into your life. And so, 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 so God is a God who, who responds to worship. He, he has set this up. All the way through the scriptures, we, we, we see because of worship, God's hand moves. When, when Elisha is brought onto the battlefield with Jehoshaphat, Elisha says to Ahab, were it not for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even be here, but because I regard him, I'm gonna turn up. He says, bring me a musician. The Bible says, when the musician began to play, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha and he began to prophesy that even though you're not going to see wind nor rain, the drought-ridden plains will be filled with water because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God don't need no help. He says, I don't need a change in the weather. I don't need a change in the wind. I don't need storm clouds of rain. I speak and it is so. How many people know that God said, let there be light in Genesis 1-3, and then four days later decided to create the sun? He created light, Genesis 1-3, let there be light, and then four days later he gets around to making the sun because God's word don't need no help. God's word don't need no help. And so when we speak God's word, it never returns void. It always accomplishes that for which it is sent forth. The devil would love to hijack your mouth. Man was made in the image and the likeness of God. Now, now if I was to try to flip a, a bull rhino, I, I couldn't do it. Way stronger. I couldn't outrun a, a cheetah. But yet man rules over the animal kingdom. Man rules over beasts far more ferocious, far more powerful than us. Yet man rules over them. It's because God made man in his image and his likeness. What does that mean? God is a speaking God and he created you to speak. The, the, the most powerful thing that you and I can do is in the earth is amen heaven. 
When Jesus told the disciples to pray, he says, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The devil wants to hijack your mouth by having you sing songs that amen the spirit of this age, the spirit of hopelessness, the spirit of fear, the spirit of depravity, the spirit of brokenness, the spirit of desolation. But, but in the house of God, because of great leadership at Influence Church, you can put out albums like Ages where there's a new song in your mouth so that what you sing about, you're going to bring about. Because when we sing an amen of heaven, because the, the word amen comes from an interesting word. It comes from, uh, it comes from a Hebrew word, imunah. Imunah is the word for faith. Imun is truth. So all truth and faith come together. In fact, faith is just God breathing on truth. Imun, imunah is where we get the word amen. And when you amen God's truth, there's a breath that comes on it, and it begins to establish it in your life. So God visits this, this barren woman in Isaiah 54, and he says, sing, O barren, because more are going to be the children that come out of your barren woman than her who was with child. I remember uh, worship leading when I was in New Zealand, which, you know, you've got to pray for those poor congregants because I was a youth pastor, but in the assemblies of God, uh, you wear many, many hats. And so I was the second string worship leader, which wasn't pretty for the people, but that's just how it was. And uh, this one Sunday morning, I, I was leading worship, and we had a gentleman in our church, and uh, he was a phenomenal voca vocalist. He, he just won, uh, like, the, the equivalent of who's got talent in New Zealand. Um, he was, a, he was if, if you close your eyes and listen, he sounded like Stevie Wonder. He did this Stevie Wonder impersonation. It was unbelievable. And he had five little kids under six years of age and then was quite a strong Maori guy, but then was diagnosed with cancer. And as they began to look, he had, his body was riddled, stage four riddled, but it was all in his lymph nodes. And the doctor said, there's no point even doing chemo. He's maybe got weeks, if not days to live. And in the middle of the worship, I felt the Holy Spirit say, call Mark out and get him to stand in front of you. And so there was such a beautiful atmosphere from worship, and so I got him to stand in front of me, and then the, the word of the Lord came to me, and the Holy Spirit says, prophesy, tell him you will live, you will not die. You will live, you will not die. So I just had to kind of say, hang on, <laughs> God, just, just to remind you, I left engineering. I left engineering to become a youth pastor. I like being a youth pastor. Do you know what they do to false prophets? And the word of the Lord comes again, prophesy, tell him, you will live, you will not die. And I'm like, God, do you even know the doctor's diagnoses? But how many people know God doesn't need the doctor's diagnoses? So I prophesied and I said, you will live, you will not die. He began to weep. You will, and the second time I said, you will live, you will not die, the power of God hit him threw him through the air, went flying back about eight feet, landed on the ground and was just out for the rest of the service as we continue to worship and praise. Today, if you go to New Zealand, he's still alive, cancer-free. Because God is a responsive God. Point number two. 
Point number two, that, that worship shifts atmospheres. Worship shifts atmospheres. I heard somebody say uh, a little while ago that, that music is a mood drug. Music is a mood drug. I'm not, not sure if you've ever gone through a hard time. It's like, oh, I, you know, before I met my wife, if I broke up with someone, you just, you, you're playing sad songs. You ever notice that? It's like, because it, it, there's, there's a synergy, there's a symbiosis with, with, your, with your mood. And uh, you can change your mood. So there's a story in 1 Samuel 16 where uh, a troubling spirit, a distressing spirit is, is tormenting King Saul. And they bring David in. And David, as he plays the harp, as he begins to worship, the Bible says the distressing spirit that was oppressing Saul left began to lift off. You can change the atmosphere in your home. You can change the atmosphere in your environment just, just by, by bringing in worship. A number of, number of years ago, uh, we got called into a hospital. And if I was honest with you, uh, I'm not great with hospitals. The two most dominant spirits in a hospital is the spirit of infirmity and the spirit of death. And I'm like, oh. And so I, we, we get a call to go into this hospital and there's a, a, a little, little guy on life support. And the, the, the diagnosis from the doctor was not positive. It was only hopelessness. And so as we came into the hospital, I knew that the, the, the hopelessness, the spirit of infirmity, spirit of death, we needed to shift the atmosphere. And I said, before we do anything, before we pray, I want you to put on some praise and worship. So we brought a, back then a ghetto blaster in and we put some worship on and, and we began to fill the hospital room till the atmosphere shifted. Once the atmosphere shifted, we prayed. The, the doctor said, well, you know, thank you for praying. We're gonna now unplug the machines and uh, it's the machines keeping the little boy alive. And once we unplug the machines, you know, he'll, he'll expire. And sure enough, as they unplugged all the machines that kept him breathing and everything, he beep, beep. Flatlined, and then all of a sudden, beep, 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 and then started breathing on his own. The doctors were freaking out, running around everywhere, and uh, that little boy still alive was just at our at our emerge conference. He's not so little anymore; he's a teenager now. But I say all of this to say that 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 worship is a weapon. Worship engages the heart of God. It draws the heart of God. You know, uh, worship is the romance of your relationship with God. Like, I, I, I love worship because Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. The commandments are unbelievably burdensome if you fall out of love with Jesus. But the commandments are wonderfully easy when you're in love. I'm in love with my bride. I don't want to do anything to hurt her. But I found that worship is the romance in your relationship with God. The more that you sing, the more that your heart will endear to God. It's such a beautiful thing. I remember years and years ago, um, in the early years of our marriage, Leanne and I, because my wife is very, very strong. So we were kind of clashing and fighting and 
And, uh, and then, you know, I, I was kind of desperate. So this one day I'm like, that's it. That's it. I'm not talking to you. And so she kept calling and just hung the phone up all day. And because uh, I was so mad, but I didn't know how to, I, I was frustrated, I didn't know how to get through. And, uh, but how many people know if, if, you know, if at 5.30 I came home from the office and I could have still been angry, could have still been ticked off with her from, you know, but if I walk in through the front door and instead of just the empty hall and the stairs, if I open that front door and there she was standing there in her beautiful red dress. I mean, I could have still been angry, but imagine if she was standing in that beautiful red dress and like angry, I was going to try and walk past and she grabbed my arm. And then spun me around, looked into my eyes and sang, Cause I'm your lady and you are my man. How many people know it would be really, really hard to stay angry? It'd be really hard to stay angry. Now, how many people know that has never happened? That has never happened. 29 years, but it's a fantasy of mine and I'm hanging on to it. But there's something about worship that woos the heart of God. All right, quickly. Four minutes left. Last point, last point. Number three, number three. Your song unlocks destiny. Your song unlocks destiny. In, in Psalm 40, verse three, powerful, powerful song. So in Psalm 40, David says that you lifted me out of the miry clay. You set my feet upon a rock. You made my footsteps firm. And then in verse three, he says, you have put a new song in my mouth. Many will see it in fear. You have put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. You will find, listen to me, the way that you unlock what is next over your life is God will put a new song in your mouth. This album, Ages album, what your church is doing, it's not just recording something that happened in a moment. What you've recorded is something that's going to unlock things. It's going to unlock things over the city. It's going to unlock things over the district. It's going to unlock things over the nation. But even more than all of those things, though they are important to God, is going to unlock things over your life. Every single one of us go through battles. Every single one of us face our Goliaths. We face our giants. But as you sing, as you sing, what you sing about, you bring about. As you worship, the atmosphere changes. And, and as you begin to sing a new song, you will find that it's going to begin to unlock destiny over your life. One of the things that freaks me out the most is, how many people know that uh, all the way through the Old Testament, there are shadows and types of Jesus, and probably the most prolific or profound shadow and type of Jesus was Moses. You know, Moses. Moses was a deliverer. He delivered him out of Egypt. Jesus came to deliver us out of the grip of the devil. Moses. Moses is told by God because he struck the rock twice that he's not going to cross the promised land. I'll take you up onto a mountain. You can see it. But Joshua, he's going to be the guy to take everybody in. So the Bible says Moses gathers all the people of Israel and Joshua gathers them all and then gives them a parting gift. Now, if I was Joshua, and obviously I'm not, but if I was Joshua, you know what I'd be asking for? His stick. I mean, he could, and part of Red Sea. He could lift it and quail. I mean, I want, I want the magic, I want the, you know, it, it began, to, it was a shepherd's staff, and then it was called the rod of God. Like, uh, and Moses is not going to need it. He's, he's about to die and get buried. I'll be like,
Um, but are you still? You're not taking it with you. That's kind of selfish, isn't it? <laughs> right. But, but Moses's parting gift wasn't the the rod. It wasn't the magic stick. The last thing, Moses's final departure. Moses gives them a song. Of all the things that Moses could give the children of Israel, give to Joshua, give to the leaders, he gives them a song. And it's a powerful song. Revelation says there are only two songs from earth that make it into heaven. And one of them is the song of Moses. The song of Moses was so powerful that we'll be singing it in heaven. Because Moses knew they were about to enter into a land filled with giants trying to thwart the purposes of God and the word of God. And he knew that what they sing about, they bring about. He knew that as they worship, they would change atmospheres. He knew as they worship, they would unlock their destiny. And that no giant, no weapon formed against them can prosper. God wants to put a new song in your mouth to unlock things. Come on, I'm out of time. Would you close your eyes? Oh, come on, yeah, go ahead. Give God a praise. <laughs> Would you close your eyes and, and just, just bow your head? Heavenly Father, I thank you for these beautiful people. I thank you for this great church, this extraordinary church, influence church. I thank you, Father, for the great leadership. I thank you for the great team. I thank you for... It's evident, God, you've blessed, you've kissed this congregation. You have kissed this church. You've kissed this album. This album is not just a recording of songs with great musicians and singers. It has captured something from heaven and ushered it into the earth that the earth would look more like heaven in 2020. The devil wanted the earth to look like hell. But I thank you, Father, for Influence Church injecting, standing, taking its place and saying, we're going to make sure earth looks more like heaven. We're going to write this prophetic album. We're going to write this prophetic song. Father, and I pray if there be anybody today who's away from you, disconnected from you, far from you, Lord, today that they would come back to you, that they would again sense your presence. Just before I hand back to Pastor Phil, if there's anybody today and you need a, a breakthrough in your relationship with God or Maybe there's sickness in your body or maybe you're facing something. Well, every head is bowed, every eye closed. Would you just raise your hand? I'm going to say a quick prayer and then I'm going to hand it back. Thank you. Thank you. Hands everywhere. Thank you. Thank you. Just keep your hands raised. Father, you see all of these hands raised. I declare right now that the spirit of infirmity is broken by the anointing. I declare healing flows into their body. I declare hearts turning again to God. Hearts that have been bruised. Hearts that have been damaged. And I see somebody here. It's almost like disappointment is around your, your throat choking you. Choking life. Choking hope. I break that spirit right now. That spirit of hopelessness and helplessness. And Father, we thank you for freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Phil.